0: Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. Today we are so excited to share this episode with you, and I know that you might think by looking at the title that this does not apply to you, but I want you to stick with this and listen to two encouraging testimonies that we're going to share we sat down with rick and donna from teen challenge in south florida it's a recovery program that's right in our neighborhood and they work with women who are going through drug and alcohol addiction and they are entered into their residential program They brought with them Melissa and Kim, who shared their stories of what God has done in their life to transform them out of their life of addiction. And I know that their testimonies and what they share today are going to encourage you. So stick with us, and at the end, we have a special announcement.
1: Well, thank you for joining today. We are so excited to have our listeners hear how God has Touch and change these two women's lives, and we are just going to hear two awesome testimonies. And I believe it's going to help you and your family members and friends who may uh, have similar circumstances to their stories. Kim, we're thrilled to have you here, and would you like to share your story with us?
2: Yes, yes, I will. So, growing up, I grew up in Massachusetts, and um, you know, my younger years they were. They were. I had good memories of those younger years. Um, but as I started to become a young adult, um, my parents started to go through a lot of mess in their marriage. My dad was not faithful in the marriage, and he was struggling with alcohol and um, drug abuse. And it was hidden from me at the time, but it, um, it really affected my mother. And it affected her how her parenting was towards me, um, and my sister, and I remember feeling like she was really cold, and I didn't really know why. Um, it wasn't until we moved to Florida that I found out everything about the my parents' marriage, and it really struck me, and it sent me in a really deep depression. I made vows at a very young age that I would never get married. I made vows that um, no man could ever value me or Things like that, and it really affected how I looked at the world going from there. The day after I graduated high school, um, I moved out of my parents' house. I just had to get away from them. All they did was fight and argue. They stayed in the same house even though they weren't together, and that was so unhealthy, and it was so hard to watch. Um, You know, I just went crazy. I partied all the time after that. Um, I looked for stability in, in, in men and in, in drugs and in people and in my job, and it all left me really, really empty. Um, when I was 20 years old, I had my first son, Jordan, and I was really in love with his father, um, but drugs had already started to take a toll on my life pretty heavily, and I lost my job and I lost that relationship. And I moved, um, to Palatka where my mom was staying at. So in Palatka, um, I was single and I was getting Jordan every other weekend. And, you know, the, the time that I didn't have him, I spent at bars and I spent, um, looking on dating sites for relationships and stuff. And I got into some really dangerous situations and, and, um, I started using drugs and drinking really, really heavily and my mom saw that I was having issues and she would bring it up to me and, you know, I would just shut her down and I think she was more scared that I would leave, you know, from living with her and stuff and I think she was worried about me so, you know, that was that. Um, But in the time that I was living with her, we found out that she had cancer I had moved away from Palaka for a while, but I was still in touch with her and stuff and helping her and whatever, but the cancer got really, really bad. She was fighting it for a couple years, and she needed somebody, so I came, and I moved with her. I was still using drugs at that point, and they had such a hold on me um, that I was not a help to my mother. I mean, I was there to help take care of her and stuff, but I was stealing her pills and I was not being a good caretaker. Um, While I was in my active addiction, my mother passed away. And, you know, that's one of the biggest regrets that I have, that, you know, she didn't get to see me living a healthy, thriving life um, that I know that she would have wanted, you know. And even though my dad and my mom were separated, it really affected my father that, you know, he had all this guilt and stuff that of what he had put our family through and what he had put my mom through, and, you know, so I kind of got closer to him after my mom passed away. I was five months pregnant with my second son when my mom passed, and, and I was really emotionally shut off when she did pass. I went, like, right back to work the next day, and, you know, but that whole pregnancy with my second son, I was using drugs, and man, these drugs had such a hold on my life. And I really didn't think that there was any other way. I thought that I would just be an addict forever. And um, that's just what it was. You know, my dad at this point, he had started to get clean. Um, And, you know, that looking back now, that was kind of encouraging for me. You know, I, I had You know, when he would call me, he'd be like, oh, I'm six months sober or something. You know, I'd be like, oh, dad, I'm really happy for you because he had such this problem, I remember, when we were growing up. And, and it, you know, I know that I think it was when my mom passed what really spurred in him to want to get clean, even though they weren't together. But God will use anything, I've learned. So... When you started using drugs, do you feel like you
0: were doing it, like, as a numbing agent? Did you start using drugs because you wanted acceptance from the people you were with? Like, what was the draw for you in the beginning?
2: In the very beginning, it was totally acceptance. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, this is what's, like, cool to do. This Mm -hmm. is what's in, like, everybody I hang out with is doing this. And, you know, some people I've met in life, they can just occasionally hang out, if you will, mm-hmm. but you know, for me that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. And it really took a toll on my life. And your dad was a drug user, alcohol user, or what? Everything.
0: Everything. Everything. Yeah, so you had that growing up was your example, I guess, right. right?
2: Yeah. So it seemed the norm to you, is that fair to say? Yeah, it it was. You know, my yeah. my mom, she would she was on anxiety medication, she would smoke marijuana, you know, and it Mm -hmm. was just, it's, that's what people did, you know, to cope with life, it seems so. And did they get worried for you when they saw your
0: life spiraling through the addictions or did they just think this is
2: the product of what we've been doing our whole life as well? No, they were totally worried. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there was, there was evidence in my life, like I was losing my job or I was, I had lost a bunch of weight Mm -hmm. or, you know, just the physical manifestations that come from drug, drug use and me always asking for money and stuff like that. You know, they were definitely worried.
0: Yeah. So you're five months pregnant. You are still using drugs during your pregnancy. Your mom has passed away and your dad is now starting to change his life. And did that give you hope, or did you just think that's good for you, but that's not going to be my choice?
2: Yeah, it didn't didn't give me hope. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely was happy for him. Um, But I was just, you know, really emotionally shut off. Mm -hmm. So going forward after my mom passed, um, I stayed in Palaca for a while, and I had Lorenzo, and, uh, you know, he really wasn't enough to save me. (laughs) That's just the point of it. Neither one of my sons were. Now I can see God's goodness through it. But then I couldn't. Um, I didn't even know that he was being a part of all this.
1: Let me ask you this. Did you have any spiritual exposure at all through the time of your growing up and all that when you did have your children you know, that you even thought about God at any time of those crises that you were going through? Did you ever just cry out, God help me? Did you ever have any of those thoughts or any family member or friend ever mentioned the Lord to you?
2: Yeah, I did. I um, grew up in church, um, Mm -hmm. but there's a difference between church and actually having a relationship with the Lord. Correct. So, no, I didn't have a, a relationship with the Lord mirrored anywhere in my life. Mm. Um, Nobody was dependent on the Lord. Uh, Not like I know people now and like mentors I have now in my life. No. Um, But, you know, going through high school and stuff, I did go to church a lot in youth group and stuff. And, um, but it was more to get away from my house, Mm. not because I was. So during crisis in my life that I would come across, none of my family, was like, oh, let's let's go pray together. Mm-hmm. No, you know. So, but
1: God was yeah. still right there with you That's right. all the time and calling you in, in different ways. You right. know There's only that, like you said, that personal relationship that we have to pray for all of our family and friends yeah. that they will have that, not just go to church. But have the Holy Spirit and the, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yes. And have the Holy Spirit guide us and direct us every day of our lives.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. So you've got two kids now. And you're a single mom. Right. For the most part. Yeah. Um, and still trying to live the life of being a mom and this addiction. Right. So which which
2: uh, was winning in your life at that time? Oh, the addiction. Yeah. The addiction for sure. Yeah. Um, Lorenzo's dad popped up out of the blue. Jordan, my first son, was with his father Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, Yeah, they kind of, they not kind of, they wrote me off. I was like the little boy that cried wolf. I'd get Mm. sober for a while and then I wasn't. And then I'd be sober and I wasn't. And, you know, um, Jordan's father and and his wife, they were just tired of it. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't want to hear it anymore. And so that was just something I had to accept and, Or I did at that time, you know, and just do what I had in front of me, you know. So when Lorenzo's father popped up, he didn't know it at the time and I didn't, but I was grateful, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was really bad off. Like I was about to lose everything again. I was not living in a safe place. I was, I was terrified at what I was going to do to my child. Yeah. You could tell you were hitting rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So about a year and a half after my mother died, um, Lorenzo at this point is now living with his father full time and I didn't have either one of my kids and I wasn't working. I was full fledged in my addiction and um, it was my mother's birthday and my sister called me and, or she texted me and said, you need to call me. So I called her and, you know, she told me that my father died. Wow. And at the time, I was so lost and so messed up, I didn't even realize it was my mother's birthday that day mm. until probably three months later, wow. you know. And um, going forth from there, I was just, <laughs> I didn't care about anything. Yeah. You know, I felt like I lost my mom. I lost my dad. My childhood was crazy. Mm. Like, just with my kids now, like, what I had no worth. Like, what is for me? What do I have? Like, my sister wrote me off. My brothers wrote me off. I didn't have anybody. But the people that I had chose to be around, you know, and they were not safe. And it was dangerous for me, you know. I got into some legal issues where I was in and out of jail. These are charges I'm talking about from 2017 Mm -hmm. that I just was not being compliant with what I was supposed to be doing and stuff. And, you know, I wouldn't have a job to pay what I was supposed to pay, and I was still using, and then I'd end up back in jail, and it was just... You were on a cycle. Oh, (laughs) gosh, it was so exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, But the last time that I was in jail, these two women came into into the jail, and they got me hooked up with Celebrate Recovery when I got out in Palaka. And so I was going there for like four months. And after that, I relapsed. Four months went by and I relapsed again. At that point, I was at least video chatting, you know, with both of my kids. And I was working and I was um, living at um, a good, a good person from the church's house. Mm-hmm. And And I I relapsed, and I just messed up everything again. And, you know, I was like, this is crazy. I'm about to violate my probation. I'm going to go to prison. Like, there's no – I did it again. That's how I felt. And, you know, I'm really grateful that, you know, God puts people in our lives that can see our blind spots because Mm -hmm. that woman I was staying with, she demanded we were going to talk because she was – not happy with one of my life choices that I had made. And I was very resistant at first, but I finally went to her and she, and you know, she was like, I think you're using again. Mm. And I was resistant, you know, so I was yeah. lying and stuff and just something broke in me. And she was like, What is it that you want? Mm-hmm. And I said, I need help.
0: She was your cheerleader,
2: right? Yeah. And, you know, she got me hooked up with Teen Challenge. And it wasn't even, like, my legal situation that I was in didn't make sense for me to come. You know, it didn't didn't line up with what the rules for coming to Teen Challenge were. But I believe God rewrote my paperwork for me. It It was a week. A week I said, I need help. And that is my surrender date. That is my sober wow. date. That Amen. is everything. I surrendered it because I needed help. Yeah. You know, and since being at Teen Challenge, now here's the awesome part. Since being at Teen Challenge, you know, I've healed from these wounds that I've had in my childhood. Um, mm-hmm. These deep hurts that about the vows that I said that I wasn't going to make because of my how my parents' relationship was and how deeply that affected me. Um I've healed from those things, you know, and it's because of the Lord. I really let the Lord into these areas of my life that I thought were dead. My mother's heart that I thought was dead and he's revived it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's restored my relationship with my son, Lorenzo, and, and he's working on it with Jordan. And, um, you know, now I've gone through the program and I'm now an intern at Teen Challenge, great. doing the Emerging Leaders Program. And um, just so y'all know, the Emerging Leaders Program is a program birthed in Teen Challenge to raise up their own leaders, mm-hmm. you know. So this same program that God used to save my life, mm-hmm. I now get to pour back into for other people, you know. Praise and the Lord. Yeah, it's just so cool. So all this stuff got brought me through, you know, I can now really look back and say, yeah, you were there, God, you were there. And it was all a setup for this time in my life. And I'm really grateful for Teen Challenge. And that is awesome. He protected you so many different times. And,
0: you know, sometimes you are driving down the highway and you avoid an accident that we have, you know, like, we saw that that car was coming and just narrowly missed us. Sometimes we don't know what God's protecting us from when we're driving down that highway because we left five minutes later or something. And it sounds like in your life, there was so many times that you kind of knew this is not a safe environment, but God protected you all along those ways to get you to that point of finally, you know, surrendering. And I think it's neat to hear that even though you were saying with your mouth I'm fine. And your life was saying, I want to party and I want to, you know, continue with my addiction. In your heart, it sounds like you were struggling because you were not content. And I think that's so important for people to hear that have loved ones that are doing the same thing where they're saying, you know, I'm fine and this, I can handle this and I don't need your help and I don't need um, you know, to go anywhere. and But in their soul, we know that the Lord is often working on them to to just stir up the unsettledness. So I think that's so neat what God has done in your life. And yeah. it's awesome Thank to hear you. how he's continuing your work so that you can help other people. Yeah. I think that's great. And we're going to talk more about Teen Challenge and more about the Emerging Leaders Program, which I think sounds like an amazing um, program for people that are looking to help others you know you've yeah. got you've got a message now because of the mess that your life was in that's
1: right so i think that's awesome let me ask you a grandma question how old is lorenzo now lorenzo is four years old oh my goodness and jordan <laughs> he's eight eight years old yeah are you able to talk to them in the midst of Teen challenge or do you have communication with them
2: Yeah, Lorenzo, absolutely. I FaceTime with him once a week, and I call him, like, every other day or so. And, you know, it's like I never skipped a beat. You know, Mm -hmm. God really restored that. You know, he knows me as mommy number one. Mm -hmm. And, like, I thought he was going to forget about me because he was so young, but God Mm -hmm. did that for me, you know. Is
1: he with the father?
2: He is. He's with his father. Yeah, his father's in his life, and that's awesome, too, you know, so...
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And Jordan?
2: And Jordan, I'm still waiting on that restoration, but okay. I have history with God specifically in the area of restoring children, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and it's really cool because they have two separate fathers. However, this coming week, Lorenzo's going to go spend some time with his brother. Oh, you oh know? my knee. Yeah. Oh, how awesome. How yeah. awesome. Yeah. It is cool.
1: That's amazing.
2: The healing continues. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's like a ripple effect. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And it will continue on the more you grow in the Lord and you grow into ministry and and learn uh, to help others. I mean.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm.
1: This is just the beginning of your story. Yeah. Wait years to come.
4: Right.
1: It's going to be awesome.
4: Hi, my name is Melissa. I am 41 years old. Um. Let's see. I grew up in New York. I grew up in Long Island, New York. Um, I grew up with a mom, very awesome mom. And I grew up not knowing my father. Um, Never met him before. Um, But around at the age of four and five, I was introduced to a man that my mom was dating, who sooner became my stepfather. Um, And from that point, he, he raised me as his own. And we had um a family you know something that i didn't really understand because you know um it was just different um they had two kids and i was older <laughs> um when i was meaning older um My sister is 16 years younger than me, and my brother is 14 years younger than me. Mm. So growing up, I just grew up pretty much by myself, Mm -hmm. and then they came along. And I had this whole brother and sister. I had a family, and I was, you know, I was really happy, and we did vacations and whatnot. And so, um, you know... I always grew up different, you know, I was, my my father was black and my family is white and, which wasn't a big difference, but I grew up in Long Island, New York, I don't know if you know anything about it, it was very, um, just different, you know, I was made fun of because of the color of my skin, I was, um, I just grew up and uh, at 13, my uncle, who my mom's brother, uh, committed suicide. I walked in and saw everything Mm. and, um, my little childhood that I had, you know, um, growing up in a family, trying to be something that I'm not Mm -hmm. masking myself and, um, all came to head, you know, at 13, my uncle did that and it changed my perspective on what I thought life was about. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw something that I shouldn't have seen at 13 and, um, Yeah, I loved my uncle, but it was a death that really hurt me, you know. um, Things that were colorful were now gray, and my happiness turned into anger. And everything I did was because, I don't know, I just did it for other people, for people Mm -hmm. and not for myself. Um, You know, I did grow up in a good family, but I also... You know, we didn't go to church. We didn't, we we pretty much, our whole success and family was what we had on the outside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mom's towels were pretty and what she was Mm -hmm. cooking for dinner and curtains had to be good. And presentation was key Mm -hmm. for my mother, you know, and. The little white picket fence. I'm serious. Like (laughs) it was, you know, I, I literally was doing alcohol. I was drinking and doing drugs in high school, but as long as I got good grades, you know, that's what the facade Mm -hmm. was. So Mm Um, in Long Island, I played sports, and um, I was very good. at I, I had 4.0 g- growing up. I was very smart. Um, I knew how to get around what I needed to get around to be able to hang out with my friends and mm-hmm. do everything. And So I played lacrosse and field hockey, and um, that led me to get a full scholarship playing for a Division One lacrosse team. And it got me into college, fully paid for and everything else like that. And I was really, really excited. And I, you know, I, I knew this was, like, going to be my future, you know. Like, I, I got away from my parents. I love my parents. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But it was freedom. You know, I went to college. I was like, all right. So, you know, and then I learned how to drink even more in college because now I can just go and be by myself. I don't sneak around. And When did you start drinking? I started drinking at 12 years old. Um in a sod farm behind my mom's house. Mm. Um I snuck a bottle of Jack Daniels and mm-hmm. learned how to drink it. And it and it that's another thing. It changed who I was, you know. Did like, it did it numb what you were going through at the time? I like, could be whoever it, I wanted to be. When you had your alcohol? Yeah. I could talk the way I wanted to be. I could mm-hmm. talk the way I, I just I was comfortable with myself, you know, like it just it's it was almost like I kind of like came alive with it. Yeah. And so, and then marijuana fell into that. But, you know, it was just party and, you know. Well, did your family did. know that you were doing all of that? Did they know you were drinking? Did they know you were partying? My mom did. My mom, she, you know, she just, she, my mom at one point, I was 16, she'd rather people drink in the basement. We had a baseball basement um, thing and she'd rather have people over. She would take our keys, you know, to make sure the kids weren't driving as long as, you know, we weren't getting out of control or... I don't think that was the right thing to do, but right. in her head, in her rationalization, mm-hmm. she didn't want drinking and driving. I don't know. It was a different generation back yeah. then. Yeah. I don't know. But, I mean, it was, you know, so um, so I went to college, and my third year in college, I got hit by a drunk driver. Mm. When I got hit by the drunk driver, um, I lost my scholarship. I wasn't able to play sports again. I um, shattered my pelvis, mm. like it I had to learn how to walk again, lacerated my spleen, a whole bunch of stuff. I looked a mess. I was just um, – and I was a little messed up from getting hit. You know, I don't know. Something happened where I just – again, just like the when I was 13, it just kind of – things just went – Shifted. It shifted. Yeah. What I knew, what I thought I was going to do, mm-hmm. again, you're – my plan, like God's timing. You know, like I didn't have a plan. So I had to go back home to Long Island, live at home, and, you know – um, I decided, I my mom helped me with therapy and everything, and I decided that I was going to go reapply to another college. Mm-hmm. So I reapplied to Pace University in Manhattan and got in, and my my whole plan was to go take the train, go to college, <laughs> and come back on the train. Yeah. Well, I did that and met all the wrong people mm. in the midst of going from the train point A to B. Yeah. So um. now, here's the thing, you know, when all this time's going on, I never had a God to talk to you. My mom mm-hmm. was always so busy with the kids because, you know, they were younger. I was older. Right. I never had anybody to talk to. Um, so I kind of like thought I was an com- inconvenience a lot of the time. So I didn't say mm-hmm. anything, you know. So by the time I got to New York and I met these people who were actually going to listen to me mm-hmm. and drinking. So, you know, I met the wrong people and they right. listened to me and I hung out and I did what they did. And, I, and mm-hmm. before I knew it, you know, my first semester of college, I ended up meeting a person, a, rel- a guy, mm-hmm. and he uh, took me down the wrong path. Mm. Um, New York City's rough, you yeah. know. Um, it takes that quick to mm. catch a habit. The girl who used to just party on the time over yeah. here, two minutes later, I was, you know, I got introduced to cocaine, smoking yeah. crack, and then heroin happened, and you know, I, I just kept, and that's what I did. In a month's time, I was addicted to all this stuff. A girl from Long Island, mm. all the way to New York City, in the boroughs, so. But you had your um, acceptance from those yeah. people, right? I did, I did, I really did. Yeah. And, you know, he took me in and convinced me that I could stay in New York City, I could leave my parents, and mm. just leave. You know, like, and so I was like, I you know, I'm you know, I'm just twenty one yeah. years old. I thought I was like You knew what? it all. Oh yeah, I knew <laughs> it all. I, I wanted it all. Yeah. And the city was so big yeah. and you know, I was just like, Wow, you know, so I did. And so here's what happened. The first year of my addiction, I got incarcerated my first time wow. at twenty two years old. Now, from twenty two till now, until I came to Teen Challenge, I literally was an addict to pretty much Two and a half decades. Wow. Um, this girl that had all these dreams, aspirations. So you I had was, a
0: future, like you had a plan and a I bright had a future. Whole
4: bright future plan. Right. My mom, you know, I had this whole thing set uh-huh. up, you know, and I, you know, God was with me the whole time, even though I didn't know God, let right. me tell you, because that two and a half decades was it. It was mm-hmm. horrible. There was times where I was in a group and people would be falling out and I wouldn't. Mm. There was times where I was about, you know, I, I was in bad relationships and mm-hmm. one right after the other and I made it. Mm-hmm. And by the grace of God, and I say that today, but two and a half decades, 17 incarcerations later. Wow. Um, every rehab and I feel like I've been in every single transitional home mm-hmm. program, blah, 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 I mean, so many different places because I would just, that was my lifestyle now. I got so used to going to jail that I would go to jail and I'd get out. But if I wasn't doing that, then I would get tired, so I'd go to rehab. And then if I, that wasn't, it was just so exhausting to just live. Well, both of you got on the crazy cycle. It's oh. the one thing that
0: you both like And you just, accept
4: it. Yeah. You accept it and you think it's okay. And mm-hmm. you think, you know, this is life mm-hmm. until you, s- there's such a better way.
0: Let me ask you a question. Going back to the accident. So yeah. it's kind of ironic that you're hit by a drunk driver. Oh, yeah. But how many – I mean, I don't know. Maybe you drove drunk and, and you're the two time. and a half decades of – All the time. And so did it ever click with you? Like he almost killed me and I should stop drinking and the drugs because of that or was it just an incidental that – It was a
4: beginning cycle of my you know addiction and I, I had a guilt or a conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this, this little well, – I Holy spirit. Now that I know it, Mm -hmm. but there was always something behind me telling me, don't do this. You're better than this. You don't need to be doing this. And you don't, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. need to live this life, you know, Mm -hmm. like get up. That's why I always put my, I always wanted to get help. Like I would get tired. Yeah. You call it tired, but I was sick. Yeah. I was tired of looking around these people. I was tired of being in this situation. I was tired of being beat, Mm -hmm. hurt, um, just abused. Like, I, it was just bad, you know? Like, Where was I'm, your
0: family during this? Like, what was so, your mom? So, yeah, my mom
4: was not putting up with it. Okay. Okay. Um She did for a little bit. Mm-hmm. She did for the first two, three years. And then she was like, you know what? You want to go and do what you need to do? She gave me tough love. Mm-hmm. That tough love was not calling me, answering my phone call for almost eight years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Eight years. Um She just... She didn't want, she like, it, I would call her up. She's like, listen, Melissa, I know what you're doing. And I'm not, I don't, she would find me on Facebook because sometimes I would get a phone go on Facebook. You know, yeah. it was periodically she right. would, you know, there was times where she went into drug houses a couple times wow. to drag me out. Mm. My mom literally went to a drug house mm. one time, told Brother Ricky this story, and literally, literally in the middle of guns and everything dragged me out while they were about mm. to threaten to kill her. Wow. Yeah, my mom loved... I mean, she's been through it, you yeah. know? And um, so, you know, I, she just couldn't do it anymore, yeah. you know? And she says the same thing today. Mm-hmm. I mean, so today, um, you know, this is... When I say two and a half decades, it was like... It was insane. So at 36, I had a child. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got pregnant. I found out I got pregnant in a rehab. Wow. Um, I was 89 pounds. Mm. I was 89 whole pounds. Um, I was... I ran away from the man that is my daughter's father. And he kicked me out, abused me terribly, mm-hmm. left me in the streets with nothing. When I say nothing, he kicked me out with nothing on my back. Mm-hmm. I found a rehab that was down the straight, street in Brooklyn. And it, was, it wasn't it was even a rehab. It was a hospital. And I literally, like, didn't even know this place was a rehab. I ran in and they took me. And um, I was like, I fell into to the hospital because I just... I was he, he. He wasn't a good guy, you know. Mm-hmm. He's he's not a good guy, not at all. Okay. Um, so um, I stayed at the rehab, and while I was getting the blood tests and everything, they're like, "By the way, do you know you're pregnant?" Mm-hmm. Now I'm like three months, whole pregnant, 89 pounds. I had track marks and everything. I was a mess, you know. I was just disgusting and living in sin, and I couldn't believe it. Like, I couldn't believe that I had a child in me. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. And I was like, I don't, now it's not even about me anymore. Right. Now it's, like, about a whole kid. Like, I have to take care of a child. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm 36 years old. <laughs> mm-hmm. 30, you know, 36 years old, I don't have anything. So the rehab that was, you know, supposed to be, like, a 20-day program to, kept me for, like, three months mm-hmm. to try to figure out what to do because I was, you know, really sick. And, um. I called my mom and she took me in. That was the first time in eight years that she wow. took me in. Yeah. And she, she took answered me, your call. She did. And I stayed sober throughout my whole entire pregnancy. And I stayed sober for the first year of her, her, her life. Mm-hmm. And then I picked up a glass of wine, mm-hmm. which led to a beer and then a case of beer. And then before I knew it, I was sneaking a lot of alcohol, you know, she would be, I remember a time when she was two and a half years old and my mom didn't know I was drinking this much I was living at home, but she would work, you know, and I I remember sitting at the bath, giving my daughter a bath while I have a, a fifth of vodka underneath mm-hmm. the sink trying to drink while I'm giving her a bath. Why did you pick up that glass of wine that, that because day? Because I, you know, I'm lonely. I was lonely. Yeah. I wasn't ready to be a mom in the first place. Mm-hmm. I'm being serious. I wasn't ready. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, did you feel like you could handle it? No. You knew you couldn't. I knew. I I, can't, yeah. I took care of her. I had a job. Mm-hmm. Um, she had clothes on her back. <laughs> mm-hmm. She had diapers. Um, but I wasn't there physically. My heart was yeah. not there for her. I didn't play with her. I, I you know I I almost thought she was almost in the way. Yeah. And I know that's uh, Lord, please forgive me. But mm-hmm. she was. Yeah. I, I didn't know what to do. I'm 36 years old. Mm-hmm. Ex drug addict or I called myself, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what to do, and I'm living at home with a whole family that I haven't seen in years. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to restore that relationship, which was a mess. You know, it was just, it was hard. And then my last straw was I got too drunk one night, and I said, you know, I can't do this anymore. And I packed Mm -hmm. a bag, I walked out the door, right out the door in Cape Coral, took me, I flagged the car down, went all the way to Fort Myers, and found the only drug neighborhood and stayed Mm -hmm. there. And when I went to Fort Myers... They, again, it's amazing what, you know, they accept you. It's yeah. like, it's yeah. horrible. You know, it's, and I tell this to anybody, like, watch out who you talk to and who you yeah. surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with positive people because you don't know, like, you could be the most awesome person and a good, mm-hmm. good, good intentions, but you get dragged in by the wrong person. It takes, a, it's that quick. Yeah.
0: We had a pastor that always said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Exactly. And you think you can handle it. You think, you know, I go to church. I I can handle going yeah. out, you know, Friday night with the people from work. And yeah. I don't have to participate in their lifestyle. But it sucks you in so easily, mm-hmm. so easily.
4: Yeah. So, you so, know. So
0: once again, you found acceptance. I found acceptance. Yeah.
4: Three more incarcerations in Lee County Jail. Mm. Got out of jail. Used again. And this time I was just so, this is like when I say I was tired, I'm 40 whole years old now. Okay. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I've ex- yeah. left my kid. I mean, mm-hmm. what else could I have done? I mean, right. this is crazy. I got to get my life together. So I walk into a detox and this Christian lady, she's the detox worker. She's like, she's like and this is, I've already been in detox four times in like mm-hmm. two months. Okay. Because now I'm using it as a, like a, just a place to rest. Just to rest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. She's like, you need help. You really, really need help. She mm-hmm. goes, you need to go. She goes, you can't keep coming here. And she was this little Jamaican lady. She, you need. <laughs> she had. This, she used to wear these big. Anyway, she was cool. And um, she's like, God, you know, God's for you. And I'm like, God, who's God? I was like, man, I'm trying to get to a program. She's, are you willing to commit your yourself to a program? Blah blah blah. And I'm. I'm like, yes, I want to, uh, you know, I guess. I mean, what's commit? She goes, a year. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, I'm like, you mean a whole year? She's like, what else would be a year? I'm like, oh, you know. I'm like, all right. I'm sorry, I've stumbled into yeah, the wrong place. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, what um, about if I, like, stay there for a couple months? Because that was my plan. Yeah. Yeah, I committed myself. And I, in my head, I was like, I had my own plan coming to teach right. Challenge. I did. And, um and then I was like, God, I'm like, I don't even know nothing about no God. I don't. I really – okay, my family was Catholic, but it didn't – we yeah. went to weddings, okay? Mm-hmm. That's what we did. We went to weddings <laughs> and, like, Christmas time one time, right. I remember. Um, and so I, I I, said, all right, you know, what do I got to lose? So I go to Fort Myers. They put me in Fort Myers. I turn around. I couldn't stay there because it was my drug neighborhood. Um, I turned around, and old oh, guy was – who I used to buy from was right next door. And I could not stay there. You know, you need to sometimes you need to take you somewhere else to get help that you need. So yes. I found these lovely people at Davey. <laughs> and I love it. So I found Teen Challenge and I went to Davy. And I remember I was at Fort Myers and I talked to Brother Ricky on the phone for 40 minutes mm-hmm. with set. And he's like, are you committed? And I said, man, what is he talking about? Mm-hmm. Commitment and all this stuff? Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm committed. And he's like, are you willing to work? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm willing to work. He's like, are you really going to be serious about your life? I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I just remember. And Lissette's <laughs> like, just answer the question. She's like, yeah. it's like paradise there. She's yeah. in the background. Aww. Now, Cassette is a, a, a graduate yes. of Davey. Yes. And she's like, just answer. He's 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 really in fire for the Lord. I'm like, yeah. fire for the Lord? What yeah. are y'all talking about? this Lord? Yeah. And I was like, I just didn't understand um, anything, but I took a leap of faith. Wow. That was my first time I've actually taken a leap of faith and I just went. So I learned pl- who God your was. Your plan was to just right.
0: get here, rest again for a little yeah. bit of time. I gave
4: myself three months. I was like, all right, I'll just go there for three months. Right. And So I come in and, you know, I loved it. I walked in. It felt like home. Yeah. I mean, it's seriously like you smell food all the time. It's like, (laughs) no, it's just like a homely smell, you know? Like it's just that the couches are warm and like the beds are really comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, their AC was pumping and everything was just, it was (laughs) awesome. And I'm just telling you what kept me in the beginning. And God has a plan because I would not know what to do with myself. I didn't know what, you know, so mm-hmm. I had to be loved by these people first to even know what love was mm-hmm. from God. And, and they wanted nothing from sense, you. Right? They wanted nothing from me. And let me I, I other people. I yeah. fought that man. Mm-hmm. He would tell me to do something, mm-hmm. I would go right at him with another, you know. I mean, I was came in with anger issues, yeah. I came with personal right issues, I came with um, I thought I was right about everything. So and I got shut down very much so and but the thing is I have a relationship with God today I listen to people I'm not scared I don't live with fear I don't have anger mm. Everything that I've been living in bondage my whole entire life is gone. Mm-hmm. I work on things. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Things come up again, and they resonate sometimes. And I work. I work it out. Mm-hmm. Not with people. I love people. But now I'm, I have a relationship with God right. because of people who love me. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I can talk to him.
1: Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay? So Amen. it's, like, so That's cool. So
4: true. Yeah. It's cool. You have to learn to love people. For me... In my, my experience, because I didn't know who God was. And, mm-hmm. you know, for somebody who doesn't know who God is, faith is really confusing. Right. You don't see it. You don't right. touch it. Sometimes you don't feel it until you actually get a relationship with good people. Mm-hmm. And good people come in your life, and you have to embrace that. Mm-hmm. You know? And I and I met good people. Sister Barbara, who's also a um, – she's a, a – she was my counselor for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And the staff there constantly always asking me how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't let me – be in a mood or pity, you know, I was not pity parties a lot, you know, (laughs) me. enough. And I'm, I'm so grateful for teen challenge. I'm grateful because I'm 16 months in this is the longest I've ever been, um, and clean, but I'm also in a life transformation of it's not, it's not clean. It's not a program. It's, Mm -hmm. it's changed my life. Yeah. This is something that I'm going to actually like, we, Pastor Robbie was talking about your generations, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for my generation to Mm -hmm. come, the next generation. I don't want my daughter to be like me. She's five now, and her name is Madison. And, um, you know, I'm slowly introducing God to her in a fun way. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that God is somebody you can talk to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's another thing. I have restoration with her today. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have a relationship with my kid. I'm in these parenting classes right now and I'm learning how to have a relationship with my yeah. kid. To learn to love with her, to love her unconditionally. Yeah. Like God loves us unconditionally, you know? Mm-hmm. It's hard to think I'm a parent. I was thrown into it, you know? Yeah. And now I need to like step back and do it the right way. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I kind of want to do this and love my daughter the right way, mm-hmm. the the way that the Lord loves us and and that's what I want to do. She's coming tomorrow. Aww. Once a month, I get to have her for three days, and this is just the you know the next step of restoration that I'm having. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm also in the Emerging Leaders program. Mm-hmm. What I do is I answer the phone, and I'm a first. Um, response caller. Mm-hmm. So if somebody calls in and wants to get help for the program, I I can help them. I wow. bring hope within reach for mm-hmm. them, and you know I I talk to them. I pray for people, and and it's really really cool. And I'm really good on the phone. I love people. Oh. You believe it? Someone who couldn't stand a person is <laughs> like I love talking to people on the phone, yeah. and and they I'm engaging, and and I'm learning how to use a computer and yeah. skills that I've never done before, yeah. and. It's just so cool, I mean, you awesome. know the the life my the life that I'm about to have, mm-hmm. I'm just so excited, yeah, and I know that I, as long as I'm following God, I've already mm-hmm. won, but-
0: I think there's so many um God things in both of your stories where it didn't feel at the time like God was protecting you or taking care of you and like Melissa, you said, you didn't even know who God was. You know, you didn't have even the um, basic knowledge. Before we started, um, Rick, you were saying that she was an American who didn't know God and that you just think that's impossible, you know, that, but that's not impossible. It's in our backyards all the time. And I think it's, um, I love what you said that um, that you had that woman who didn't know you, who was like, listen, she she took a chance on you. Yes. And she invested in you. Yeah. And we can be so guilty, especially in our society, that we're so busy and we're so me-centered. Like I can go to Target now and check out and I don't have to see a person, talk to a person. You know, I, I can get my gas and I don't have to see anybody. And I'm just centered on me because I've got things to do. I've got places to be. Mm. And there's so many people that are hurting in the world that need Jesus that we could just take a minute to invest in them and see what they don't have, you know. And I I think that's neat that both of your stories are, you know, because of one person, one person.
1: May I just say that the Lord taught me so many years ago. He would urge me as I went back and forth to work to look at the people on the roadways, look at the people on the sidewalk. And I challenge us, and it reminds me how the Lord always says to me, while you're driving around, look at the people and pray for the people that you do not know. Because He created them. They're God's children. And they need to come to know the Lord. And you think that a lot of people do know there's a God, and they do have that background or teaching or anything but as you have shared today, that there's so many people in this world now, especially now, that we don't all get trained and go to church. Or if we go to church, we don't get that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But when you do, and you're both your testimonies is when you accepted the Lord, how he directed your steps day by day. And even though you've gone up and down and, and had trials and tribulations, you have no idea How many men or women that were in cars driving by wherever you were in whatever situation that said, I pray that you will lead them to the Lord. I pray you will Mm -hmm. get them help. You just never know how many strangers Mm -hmm. and believers that have been praying for you that you never will know Mm -hmm. to get to heaven. And I believe that for our husbands and wives, and your husband and wife Mm -hmm. right now that is in the far country, that there are other people that are going to be praying for them that we cannot even begin to imagine. But God, it will direct and bring spouses home and young adults home, or teenagers that have gone the wrong road, that will bring them back home by all our prayers.
0: Melissa shared with us her, um, one of her, I don't know if it's your life scripture or just a, a favorite scripture, but I love it. Um, Ezekiel 36, 26, and it says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's my testimony. And that's what God did in both of your lives and what we see him do so many times um, Rick and Donna, I know that have shared on our podcast before, and so we'll link to their testimony when they last sat with us, um, and you can hear some of their story. But they run our Team Challenge um, program that's here in our area, and this particular run is for women, and. Rick, tell us about some of the others. There's Teen Challenge Prostination, the nation, and they're for people of all ages, men, women, um, children, but it's such an amazing program, and it's amazing. You can hear in just these two ladies' lives um, how God has used it, but we love Rick and Donna and what they've um, done with so many women that have come through their program and have not only found healing from an addiction, but have found Jesus in the midst of it.
5: Teen Challenge uh, was birthed in New York, and because of the obedience of uh, David Wilkerson, the founder of Teen Challenge, we have over 1,400 programs worldwide. And those programs are geared to minister to men, women, boys, and girls. In the southeast region, we have uh, 20 centers that are also uh, connected with men, women, boys, and girls. And uh, it's basically a, a, a faith-based recovery program where we disciple the men, women, boys, and girls to, uh, to, to find hope. Mm-hmm. You know, our goal in Teen Challenge is to, to put hope within reach of the addicted, you know. And sometimes in families, especially with the juveniles, you know, they have a lot of rebellious issues in their lives, and they're more of a private boarding school. You know, because they're young and, you know, there's a lot of things that you have to give to them mm-hmm. and, and work with them, you know, to, to help them, you mm-hmm. know. And you got to give them schooling. Uh, you need the, uh, professionals, you know, to, to deal with the juveniles. And the, and the adults, uh, you do have professionals and all that, but it's a whole different ball game, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and we located here in South Florida you know my wife and i run the women's program you know we have a, a home for 16 women mm-hmm. and um, also mm-hmm. we are able to uh, do referrals you know if if we can't take them into our program then you know we'll go ahead and refer them elsewhere mm-hmm. you know because we can't you know we can't help everybody right. you know we're not we're not god right. you know but we point them to god yeah And God's got to be the one to make the life transformation. Yeah.
0: And I know um, that your program at Teen Challenge is a residential program, like you said, but it's not just come in and we'll house you and, you know, we'll see if you can stay off the drugs and alcohol. It's a very intentional program, right?
5: It's very disciplined, very, uh, it's a discipleship program. And Mm -hmm. the word disciple means a disciplined person. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of these ladies and men and boys and girls, they come into the program and they don't have that discipline Mm -hmm. in their lives, you know. Um, So they come into the program and, you know, kind of like Melissa, I'm going to use Melissa. Melissa was a tough cookie. Yeah. You know. She's a fellow New Yorker. Yeah. (laughs) Poor girl. (laughs) I really didn't think Melissa was going to make it. Yeah. You know, because Mm -hmm. of the anger and and a lot of the hurts in her Mm -hmm. life. You know, and the only way that she knew how to respond was through anger, you know, and frustration and, you know, and sometimes she thought she knew it all, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's because she had no, she had no relationship with God, you know, and uh, versus Kim. Kim was already prepared, you know, by other people, you know, they ministered to her and they showed her, you know, the the love of God and so she came in ready to change, But, you know, the neatest thing about this story is that, you know, you got a woman that doesn't know anything about God. You got a woman that de- does know about God. But they, they both have to find out who God really is, right. you yeah. know. And it doesn't matter which one knows God and which one doesn't. Yeah. You know, it's it's building that relationship, mm-hmm. you know, getting to know God. Because God already knows us. Yep. So when they start to build that intimacy with God, they get to know him more and more and more, mm-hmm. you know. And God called them both, you know, <laughs> funny at the same time, to become emerging leaders, mm-hmm. you know. And they both have, they both have their giftings, yeah. you know. Um, uh, Kim, you know, works with the with the ladies, okay. and Melissa works with the uh, administration department, you know. But she's also involved with the girls as well. You know, and they see the girls look at her, and she's a living example. Both of them are. They're living examples of what the mercy and the grace of God mm-hmm. can do in a person's life when they when they look to change. Mm-hmm. Because one of these ladies that come in listen to their testimony, they are like wow. Yeah. You know, and then when I get to talking about them, I mm-hmm. turn around and say, Yeah, you don't know what these girls been through. <laughs> you know, and it's it's just pretty neat just to see. Yeah. you know, uh, what God is doing in their lives, Yeah, you know.
0: It took one step of obedience on both of your parts exactly. to take that first step to say, okay, I'll go. And then once Rick and Donna got their claws on you, right, and they showed you Jesus, they Amen. were going <laughs> to.
1: Well, wow. I think also that it's so important is that when you start going to Teen Challenge, Every day is one more day that you're getting freedom mm-hmm. and learning more about the Lord Jesus Christ and learning how that He can help you through your daily walk, mm-hmm. but also that you're, you're changing and breaking the cycle that you have been in and you're getting filling it up with hope mm-hmm. and the power of God and, and all that can he can transform you totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that heart transformation and life transformation and breaking the cycles of different habits and all. And you both are just radiating the Lord today. Mm-hmm. I want to give hope and encouragement to husbands, wives, moms, and dads, and grandpas and grandmas, to people that you will be a- around that may need Teen Challenge and that hope and the, what the life transformation can be for people that God will put in your life.
0: Yeah, I think their testimony... Is evidence that we can look at a person and think there's no hope, and there's nothing Correct. that can be done for them. It, they're too far gone. You know, we've probably all had people in our life that we think they're never going to change, and but God is what we say all the time.
5: Yeah. Hey, one thing I want to share, you know, it takes a group of people mm-hmm. to touch their lives. Yeah. You know, and and I have to give props to 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 every executive director, every staff member, every program manager that deals directly, you know, with the staff and the students mm-hmm. and every staff member. Because, you know, my wife and I, you know, a lot of people say Rick and Donna, but the reality is we can't do this by ourselves. Right. Yeah. To, to have these people come alongside of us, armor bearers, like Melissa and, and, uh, and, and, and Kim and, and Barbara and, and Lori and, and, and uh, Siobhan, You know, and other staff members and Leticia, other staff members that have come alongside of us, and then the other programs, Mm -hmm. you know, we can't do this alone. No. But God calls people out of that slimy pit, Mm -hmm. and he cleans them up. Yep. You know, and he shines his light on them. Mm -hmm. You know, and then he begins to do a work in our lives, you know, and then we begin to sow that seed of life transformation in people's Mm lives. And give them the hope that they're looking for. Yeah, you know, so it's a team effort. Yeah, you know, years. You know, a lot of people always want to use the I. Mm-hmm. In Teen Challenge, we we got rid of the I. Yeah, and it's the we.
0: And now you're seeing generations change yes. because of this. Like Melissa mentioned earlier, you know, you guys have families, you have children, and now you're a changed person who can now show your children, your extended family, your relatives, your who knows who who god can use you in the future to to witness Amen. because of what you've been through. I think it's awesome. Well, let me back up a little bit and I want to ask you guys a question and whoever wants to take this can take it. But let me ask you about drugs and alcohol today. It is a problem. It is a problem in um it's a problem in the church I would even say where people think they can handle You know, the social aspect of drugs and alcohol, we see it being legalized in certain states, and it is coming into families with a vengeance. And, you know, we think, or we used to think, I would say, that, you know, the drug and alcohol scene is happening in that crack house, in that part of the neighborhood, and it's not happening in front of us, but I think it's happening in front of us a lot of times. And then especially, um, people that have addictions to even pain medication and things like that, it's really fracturing families. And so what can we do if we know people who we have an idea are struggling with something? Um, if someone has a child that they are worried about, you know, do like Melissa talked about being able to be 16 and drinking, you know, in the basement, as long as you didn't leave the house, what can we do as, as, believers as um, adults that have influence over people to help them when we think there's an issue happening
3: well i think being able to um to address it to bring it Mm -hmm. to light uh, because when things are kept in darkness um not exposed Mm -hmm. then then um life goes on as normal and the problem gets worse so being able to to address something and um and there's something called denial, yeah. so <laughs> which is quite prevalent in, um, in the world. And people, uh, especially, you know, not my child, yeah. you know, and it's hard for parents to believe that their child has an issue. And um, like Melissa was talking about, you know, um, that she was allowed to drink downstairs. <laughs> right. And uh, let's take your keys and, you know, and all, but... Um, but the thing is, is that um, sometimes um, parents, m- m- you're asking about believers, what can we do? But sometimes um, parents are afraid yeah. and people are afraid. And so um, one of the things that we do as a ministry, we go into churches mm-hmm. and we do presentations. Some of our ladies have been, um, have grown up in the church mm-hmm. um, and um, and so, but they've got off path, right. and so that's something that we do, and we expose that there is um, that there is a problem that can be healed, mm-hmm. and I think when people realize that a, that there is healing for a problem, oh, yeah. that they're more likely to be able to um, maybe reach out, but um, developing relationships with people. Um, Is one way to get your foot in the door to be able to speak into somebody's life, and um, and so and then to be able to share because developing a little bit of a trust relationship with them. Mm -hmm. But that's why you know I mean Jesus said go into all the world, Mm -hmm. right? And so and our world might be our next door neighbor. And um, our world might be um, our coworker, worker um, you know, and our world might be the person that sits in the pew next to us. Right. Well, six feet away from yeah. us anymore, but, uh, you know, but um, but uh, truly we can um, somehow have that door open. Um, God can make it happen mm-hmm. um, through prayer and us being available for him. To use us, right. um, that's one of the things. In even there's so many different groups, um, mm-hmm. there's so many support groups, and that's why groups work because um, because they're honest. They're talking about something that other people can relate to, mm-hmm. and um, so being able to um, to share a group with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and that there is help available. And sometimes it might be a little bit more extreme. I need a program and so and that's where a program like Teen Challenge or other programs can come in and um, and say you know because we do one time assessments with people usually we don't do ongoing counseling sessions except right. if they're in the program. Do you think it's important if there's a
0: man or woman who has a spouse or a child who's going through an addiction, but the child or the person going through the addiction is not looking for any type of help yet do you think it's important for the person who's trying to cheer them on and trying to help them to go to a group is that helpful for a person i
5: think it is okay because if they don't have knowledge on how to help somebody Mm -hmm. then in a group setting they can find that okay because a lot of times you have parents and if you're a parent please listen they're in, my wife made a statement about denial, right. you know, and they honestly think that they're not the problem. Mm-hmm. And sometimes parents, moms, and dads can be the problem,
0: by you know. By
5: actually- enabling. By yeah. enabling. You know, enabling is a big killer, yeah. you know, in our society today. And they have to, they have to be willing to accept when they're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, a lot of people say, well, I only drink a little glass of wine, mm-hmm. you know. Well, that little glass of wine, you know, your your son or your daughter saw you drink it. Right. You wouldn't give them none now, but later on they say, I want to try this. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you have created an alcoholic because they like it more than you do. Right. You know, so they'll go on, you know, drinking even more mm-hmm. without you knowing it. You know, and they're hiding it. And then, you know, families think that they're doing something, but they got to realize you can't be in denial. If you're wrong, you're wrong.
0: Right.
5: You know, own up to it. Yeah. You know. And it's like, you know, I didn't have a father in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, so he never was around, you know, to to be an example in my life. Mm-hmm. But there's two kinds of examples in this world. There's those that really care for you mm-hmm. and there are those that are afraid to admit the truth. Mm-hmm. So they, they deal with denial. And they won't deal with reality.
0: Well, Rick, you've got a necklace on today. And your necklace is a cross with a band on it. Yes. And what is what does that represent?
5: Well, uh, my wife and I have been married 32 years, going on 33 years. So the band is my first wedding band. I always tell people when I was skinny. <laughs> <laughs> if they see me now, they understand what I mean. Yeah.
3: You actually, Tom, it's from your first wife.
5: It's, I, I, I <laughs> normally do. I tell them it's from my first wife, and the people look at me that are around me and say, "And my first wife is my only wife."
4: Yes,
5: that we've been married <laughs> 33 years gone." And then uh, also we have the logo of Teen Challenge, mm-hmm. because that's where my wife and I met. You know, and it was the cross that brought us together.
0: You met in Teen Challenge. When yes. you both after were going after we graduated. After you graduated, remember you both, that, folks. You both have you been not, through it.
5: You do not flirt or get involved while you're in the program,
0: because
5: because you get in big trouble. You get kicked out.
0: Yeah, because it shifts your focus, right? Yes, absolutely,
5: yeah. exactly. And then I also have a cross there. Like I said, it was the cross that that brought us together. And then I have a special thing that God gave me a long time ago. I grew up in New York, mm-hmm. like Melissa. I was involved in, in flying pigeons. So I have a band, a pigeon band. It's got my name and my wife's name, and it's got our phone number, you know. And we give it to the ladies. See, let's say racing pigeons. They're called homing pigeons. Uh-huh. They go far and they come back, uh-huh. you know. So basically, we give them this band so that when they after they graduate, and then... They got my phone number they have no excuse yeah. of not mm-hmm. calling us so they, they they're like the racing pigeons they come back home mm-hmm. they call us and they stay connected yeah see the, and the reason why is because we're a family mm-hmm. we're not just a a rehab program yeah. you know we're, we're a family and we like to stay connected yeah and me being puerto rican man i i go after my children
0: <laughs> i know this has been a blessing for you to listen to and um it's a blessing for us to just hear your stories and just to be reminded that god is in control of all things even when we think that a situation's hopeless and we look at a person and think there's no hope you know i'm gonna shut the door on them because they don't want help that god can transform that he's done it in rick and donna's life He's done it in both of your lives, and I think it's amazing. So um, we've asked Rick to close in prayer, but before we close, do you, um, either of you, Melissa or Kim, want to share what God's been teaching you lately or um, you know, just hope for someone that might be listening to this and feel like they know a Melissa or a Kim in their life and they have maybe been enabling them or they've not heard from them for years and just what you would share with them today?
2: Okay, yeah, I would just um, you know share the encouragement that there's nobody too far gone that the Lord can't reach them. Um, you know that's been the testimony of my life. Um, a scripture that I'll share actually is from Ecclesiastes three eleven, um, and I'm also sharing it because all the searching that um, people do in life for. Uh, through addictions of whatever kind, any life-controlling problems that they have or whatever, can't be filled without um, the hope that only Jesus can put in in our hearts, you know. Um, So the scripture, Ecclesiastes 3.11 is, and he makes everything beautiful in its time. Mm -hmm. And he has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no man can fathom what he has done from beginning to end. Um, So, yeah, nobody's too far gone for the Lord and... Mm -hmm. You know, come home. That's yep. what Jesus says. Come home. Yeah, As long as you're breathing,
4: you have hope. You, um, <laughs> as long as you are taking breath, God gave you breath. The lungs that's in your chest is God. And for me, um, the best thing you can do is give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, take that, that leap of faith. Even if you don't know what faith means, take it. Yeah. You got nothing to lose. Right really got nothing to lose, so I mean, in my situation, that's what happened, mm-hmm. and out of sometimes desperate situations create the best future and I literally um I was a desperate case, and today I'm not, and that's all I know, and it's that simple um for the parents out there um just. For me, I I don't know. I'm not I'm not really good at this parenting thing. I'm still learning, but right now I just know that I just want to be a, a godly parent to my kid. I want to love my kid just like Jesus loves me and I'm I'm a simple person and I just I honestly just want to have the love, uncontrollable, unconditional love for my child like Jesus has for us. And that's it.
1: Mm-hmm. A powerful, powerful time with rick and donna Mm -hmm. and and uh, these girls oh you have touched my heart and teen challenge is going on my prayer list at the top to pray for all the people around the world that are going through these issues Mm -hmm. but there is a place where we can call to get help if uh if the just even look on the internet and pray for this ministries in all the different cities and states Because there are so many people that can be touched and transformed, and their lives will be new creatures in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that is the most exciting thing. And that's what this marriage ministry is all about that hearts and lives and marriages can be touched and changed, and we can be living examples. But we can do this all at home by putting them on the prayer list to pray for all the people that are battling addictions battling uh, all of these different areas of addictions that mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol you would not think could be that bad, but it can turn into uh, uh, people' lives being snuffed out. So I'm just praising the Lord for um, hearing two people that have gone down the deep road but come back by the Lord touching and changing their lives and You have done, uh, you have, I know, are going to bless so many people, and they're going to forward this on to somebody else that they know will be helped also. So uh, I really am blessed that you both shared and were transparent today Mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: Well, Rick, do you want to close us out today?
5: Sure. In the Word, it it talks about God takes, and he says, the lonely in families. You know, and a lot of these ladies come into our program, and they don't have a family. You know, I remember when Kim shared about losing her mom and dad. You know, and I said, well, when you come here, make sure you bring your, your adoption papers with you. <laughs> you know, and that's what my wife and I are. We're, we're mom and pop to these ladies. We love them. We care for them. You know, and, and we have a home. And I know they asked me to pray, but I have to share this you know, if somebody's out there that that's on addiction, you know, you have an addiction problem and you're sick and tired of living like that, give us a call. Yeah. Our phone number is nine five four four seven six zero eight zero nine, and we're here to serve. If you're a woman, we have bed space. If you are a man, boy or girl, we have bed space. You gotta just be willing to to make that commitment, to surrender and and allow God to do what He's got to do in your life. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for Rejoice Ministry, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity to to come here and to share our hearts. And Father, we pray blessing upon them, God, and and the people that they touch, the the husbands and the wives and the childrens lives that they're impacting. We stand in the gap and we pray for your blessing from the north, the south, the east, and the west to be upon them, God, as they minister to these families, God. Lord, if there be anyone out there needing to, to be delivered and set free from the addiction, God, you said in your word, he that the son says free is free indeed. God, you set me Free from almost a thousand dollars a day cocaine habit. You renewed my mind. You restored my soul. You gave me joy. You said the joy of the Lord is my strength, and it has become my strength for the past 34 years, God. And I pray if there's anyone out there needing to be set free from addiction, that they will call and understand that there is a first responder waiting to talk to them, to pray with them, to minister to them, and I pray that they will be open and receptive, God. Lord, I pray that you sanctify every word that was said here today, every testimony that was shared, God, that it would affect lives, that it would touch lives, and that people would be challenged to seek your face, God, because you are the great I am. You are the Alpha, the Omega. You are the beginning and the end, the everlasting King of kings and the Lord of Lords. And we believe in you. We trust in you to reach out to us and deliver us in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks for joining us. I know that I was encouraged by Melissa and Kim's testimony. And I think that their testimony just shows us that there's people all around us that are hurting and that, we may think are hopeless, but God has a plan for each of them. I want to share with you a new book that we have in our bookstore by Tony Evans, and it's a little booklet called Winning Your Spiritual Battles. And this booklet is only 60 or so pages long. It'll take you literally less than an hour to read through the whole thing, but it's a powerful little book about the victory that you can have over your spiritual battles. And this is available now in our bookstore. So it goes along so well with what we talked about today. And I just want to encourage you to check out that item. If you have a testimony to share with us of what God has done in redeeming your family, just like Melissa and Kim shared today, we would love to have you share it with us. And we'll include a link below where you can do that. Thanks for joining us.
5: If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.
1: Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit rejoiceministries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their
5: hurting family.